Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Network Classics, courtesy of Primetime with Sean Mooney. I hope that you are all staying safe and that your family is well. You are healthy as we continue to get through this crisis here in our country and around the world. And wherever you may be, I hope uh, everything is going well. I know a lot of folks are going a little little stir-crazy because uh, many are working from home. Uh, basically under lockdown, it uh, you know you can still go out and do some things, but it's uh, our world has definitely been uh, you know turned upside down, and you can see that by just uh, getting in your car. Maybe you got to make a run to the store, and there just is not as many as many cars out on the road. Uh, there's items you can't find in the grocery store, which is really insane. We've really become accustomed to being able to get whatever we want whenever we want it, and to go to a grocery store and not be able to find any toilet paper. Uh, that's still, I don't, I don't understand that. Um, it's a, certainly a necessity, but man, when we're talking about uh, what do you really need, uh, I, th- I think food's up there. And of course, the shelves are pretty bare when it comes to, you know, like meat and that kind of thing. But you can't find any soap. You can't find uh, sanitizer. Uh, you know, even even household, household products like bleach, uh, just can't find it. And um, I'm I'm hoping that this is, going to uh, reach a peak and then start on the downside so that uh, at some point we can all get back to work. But it is a frightening time because we just don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. So uh, anyway, I hope you're safe. I hope everything is good with you. Uh, uh, I also uh, really hope that you're taking the time to you know enjoy this uh, time as, uh, under dire circumstances, but you know being with your family and just getting in touch with people that you love and you know, friends that uh, maybe you haven't chatted with in a while, because we just get, you know, we all get caught up in uh, your work and you're just, it's a grind and you're every day you're, you know, trying to get it done. So you're in a paycheck and take care of your family that way. But we lose touch, we lose touch with everybody. And it's not personal, really. I mean, I, I have friends that I love dearly. And suddenly it's two, three years since we've chatted. You're like, what the hell happened? I mean, really, how did we, how did we get, so far apart, not just uh, geographically, but just uh, being in touch. And, and especially with today's technology, you can text anybody uh, within seconds and you don't have to get on the phone. Well, it doesn't have to be a long conversation, but uh, we maybe we're going to learn a few things from this. I hope we do. That uh, what, what is really important to us in our lives when it all ends up uh, at the end there, it's not going to matter what kind of work you did. No one's going to care. I'm sorry. Um, unless you're someone like Bill Gates, who's able to uh, donate, you know, billions of dollars to help change things in a, in a cause. And, uh, you know, it's, and I hope you do give and help people out, but, uh, really what it comes down to, it's, it's all about, uh, who you touched along the way, uh, who you cared for, who you, who you helped, uh, that way one-on-one and, you know, uh, so I, I hope we're learning from this. Anyway, I, I get it, got off track here a little bit, but it is important, and I hope that in some small way that uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney has been able to uh, help you through some of this. Uh, we've got uh, tons of episodes. You check back in our library um, every Monday, uh, like with this one. We, we're putting out Network Classics so that uh, you can enjoy those, and then also original episodes. And um, this week... We got a great one uh, after coming off the episode with uh, the the guys from the Dark Side of the Ring. That series uh, two now just out, just starting. I uh, hope you catch that um, catch that episode. You've got the the uh, um, the director and the producer of that series, 
who uh, talk about every single episode. And then also uh, this week we uh, have Dutch Mantel as uh, one of our original episodes of PTSM. And then, of course, uh, I, I mentioned the library. Every week, every Saturday, we bring uh, an episode out of the vault. This past week, we had uh, Justin Roberts, who uh, is a good friend of mine, and a fascinating story, talks about his book. So there's all kinds of material out there, folks. I hope that uh, we can help uh, help pass some of these hours here. And uh, again, I hope you're all staying safe. Uh, this uh, episode that we're going to do this week is a fun one. Another edition of Monday Night Raw, March 8th, 1993. I love the early days of uh, Raw because it was it was uh, definitely a new vehicle for the WWF at the time. And they really didn't know what to do with it. So they were experimenting pretty much every week uh, before it, 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 it got down to kind of a situation where they, they knew what it was doing and the kind of impact it was having. But these early days were really fun to watch. And the announced team, once again, we still got uh, Vince McMahon along with Macho Man Randy Savage, who had uh, taken some time out from the ring. He still made appearances when they needed him. But uh, this was the transition time, transition period before Randy would head down south and uh, have another big run down in, uh, with the WCW there, another big run in his career. But also Rob Bartlett, uh, the uh, radio personality, uh, also TV personality, I should say, because he was with uh, the Don Imus show and Vince had brought him on board uh, thinking that, uh, you know, he could add a different perspective. He was uh, a comedian and maybe add a uh, humorous flair to it. And Vince liked the idea that he wasn't a wrestling fan or didn't really know anything about the business. He thought it would uh, be a great uh, way for him to not only learn about it, but he would be a fresh set of eyes and like have a different view of what uh, uh, the world of professional wrestling was at the time. Uh, that experiment didn't work so well. And as I've said many, many times, I think that Rob is one of the most talented comedians I've ever met and known and uh, really is just and a great actor. He's still still uh, you know out there and, and on shows. But this was just not a role for him. It just uh, never really took off. And if you listen to his episode, he admits that and talks about what that experience was like. If you haven't listened to it yet, check out the episode with Rob Bartlett, PTSM. But, um, you know, uh, he had his moments on here. And I think that uh, uh, it was it was a, an interesting period for the, the WWF. As, uh, like I said, this, this, new, this new vehicle that they had. And uh, we we know it eventually really, really, really worked because we know the success of Monday Night Raw. Of course, the Monday Night Wars certainly helped uh, catapult it into uh, the world stage and and, uh, its popularity. But back then, it was not, this is, we're talking 93. So this is before, uh, you know, the WCW started Nitro and all that. And we got into that head-to-head competition. So they didn't really have to worry about those Monday nights. The WWF was uh, popular, but uh, its its uh, success was waning at this time. If you we've mentioned it before, we talked about it. Ninety three was a strange period for the WWF. There was a lot going on behind the scenes with the steroids and the investigation into Vince and the company, and so a lot of the guys were defecting, heading down to other parts unknown. Uh, WCW, and uh, you know, so it was uh, it was a really, really uh, different uh, time for the world of professional wrestling all the way around. As we saw this dip, and then of course they'd come roaring back 
but and go far beyond what anybody had ever expected. But this was, uh, you know, a very dark period. And so it's interesting to see on television what was going on, as we are going to uh, see in this episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, March 8th, 1993. So let's go through it. We'll go through the card pretty quick. And um, as I said, March 8th. So you're you're heading into, uh, you know, WrestleMania here. It's not that far off. We've got uh, uh, WrestleMania coming up in uh, just about less than a month because it, uh, uh, you know, uh, WrestleMania took place uh, that year on April 4th, and it was uh, WrestleMania 9, and uh, it was uh, not one of the best, okay? And and uh, I missed this one because I left prior to that. Not not too, uh, you know, not too much before that, but I didn't, I did not appear at WrestleMania. This is one that happened at uh, in Las Vegas, and of course, uh, uh, you know, I think this was uh, Jim Ross's uh, first WrestleMania, and they had everybody in togas, if you remember. It was uh, pretty crazy. And it was kind of a double main event, remember, where you had the uh, mega powers with, um, uh, you know, the, the Money, Inc., Ted DiBiase, and, uh, and I'm, I said the mega powers, I should have said mega maniacs, sorry that, uh, you know, where Brutus and Hulk Hogan were teaming up with Jimmy Hart uh, at ringside. And, you know, Jimmy had felt bad, uh, had suddenly found a soul <laughs> throughout all this and, and had felt uh, that, uh, you know, they'd gone too far with Brutus, with Brutus the Barber Beefcake when he uh, got the uh, Halliburton case smashed into his face by Money, Inc. and Irwin R. Scheister's uh, uh, duo with Ted DiBiase. And so this was, uh, that match at WrestleMania appeared at, in mid-card. So um, they're doing the build-up on Monday Night Raw for this. And then, of course, the big payoff, if you remember, when Hulk came back later in that show uh, after uh, Yokozuna had um, beaten Bret Hart for the belt, and then Hulk Hogan comes out and, and uh, takes out Yokozuna. And, and what, lo and behold, uh, the Hulkster's a champion again. And like, oh, my God. So it, it was just bad, bad, bad stuff all the way around. Uh, but as we as we uh, look at this episode, though, we're less than a month away. So of course they're gonna they're in full uh, WrestleMania promotion mode, as it's gonna be out in Las Vegas, and um, so we've got that coming up uh, to look for. They're gonna be promoting this thing right from the start, as we'll talk about in a sec. Uh, so we've got Money Inc on here, and they are just like we say, get them out there and put them up against a couple of noted superstars and in this case it's going to be El Matador which uh you know Tito Santana was that was his gimmick at the time and he teams up with Virgil who's doing a singles uh, uh gig at this point and and uh, so he's teaming up with El Matador and Virgil uh guy I guess he's going to win that one but <laughs> that's coming up also Tatanka is uh in this in this show and uh, we got you know some basically squash matches in this but Tonka, they're building up for WrestleMania. He's going to take on Shawn Michaels, and he had—he's coming off a series of of matches that uh, high-profile matches, we should say, of, against Shawn Michaels, where Tatanka's, um, you know, got Shawn's number in a sense, and uh, they're they're headed for uh, WrestleMania. And Papa Shango, we've been seeing a lot of him uh, when we do some of these uh, these replays, and Papa Shango's in full 
for full force here. They're trying to really put him over with the whole voodoo gimmick. And he faces uh, Mike Edwards. Oh, I should say, because I want to give everybody credit here. Uh, Phil Apollo, it goes against the tonk on that match uh, I just talked about. Bob Backlund is in this. And uh, he, he's uh, with the WWF at the time. And, uh, you know, he, he even at this point, he's, you know, older on the backside of his career. But the guy would just keep, I mean, he's still wrestling after all this time. But Bob Backlund and the big... The big uh, promo for this is that Backlund's going to make his first appearance at WrestleMania. This is something he's wanted in his in his entire career, and he's going to get this opportunity. Uh, he ain't going to win, but he, but you know he's going to be there, and that's great. So Bob Backlund defeats uh, Tony Demuro coming up. Oh God, I just gave the spoiler on that one. Okay, but <laughs> who'd you think was going to win? And then of course Mr. Perfect uh, on this show. A lot a lot happening with with uh, with Kurt. Uh, this is a very Strange period for Kurt Hennig. Uh, as early as 91, I think he had uh, suffered some pretty serious injuries to his tailbone, I think, and also had some uh, disc issues with his back. So he was having all kinds of uh, you know, surgeries done to uh, correct that. And everybody pretty much thought that, that was it for him, that he was going to be retired. And if you'll recall, he would do a series of, you know, uh, where he was a manager kind of, advisor to Ric Flair. They had him do commentary with Vince and, uh, you know, with on superstars. They just don't really know what uh, they can do with him. They don't know if he's going to come back in the ring, which eventually, of course, he, he would. But at this point, he's, he's uh, sidelined. And uh, Vince, of course, realizes the talent he has, and he's, uh, you know, does, wants to keep him around in, in uh, one facet or another. And this is kind of the same situation he's got with Randy. Well, you know, Randy at one point was supposed to move to Stanford. Uh, you know how that all turned out. But see, he's got these guys that Vince was was you know and, and is has been forever a very loyal person to a lot of these people that you know he didn't forget when guys that would really work for him and, and come through for him, which he did with the old timer guys. You could just all you do is look backstage and all the people that he had that he took care of. You know, Chief J Strongbow and Tony Gurria and uh, Rene Goulet and all these guys. And uh, so these, I guess these guys are like the next generation, but this, but eventually, you know, they're not having it. And uh, they think they got a lot left in the tank. And that's why, you know, Vince is thinking ahead and I've got to get these young guys and see who our next Hulk Hogan is basically. And uh, these guys don't want to be sidelined. They want to keep working. They want to be on the main stage. And eventually a lot of them would, Head south, and that would include Bret Hart. So uh, these are very tumultuous times. That's a good word, tumultuous time. Uh, tumultuous is, is a good word for what was going on then, as we are uh, right in the middle of all of this. So we've got uh, Monday Night Raw from March 8th, 1993. And you'll take uh, notice right away at the top of this as they've got the... Uh, the um, uh, the team of, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan and uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Jimmy Hart as they uh, open this whole show up with this promo. And the idea is that, uh, you know, the Mega Maniacs are uh, gunning for Money, Inc. And they do this promo because if you know Saturday Night Live, they say, live from New York. And they do a little uh, shtick with that in this very long promo to start the show. 
So with that, I hope you are ready to uh, take a look at this. If uh, you're not, uh, we'll wa- I'll walk you right through it. Uh, I hope you are I'm a member of the WWE uh, Network. <laughs> so because it's going to make it really tough. But uh, what you're going to do is you're going to log in. Okay, you're going to make sure you're all logged in. And then what you're going to do is you're going to click on at the top. You're going to click on in ring. Okay, in ring. And then you're going to see right at the uh, top of that. It's uh, the first icon. It says raw. Uh, So click on raw. And then what you will do is go to most recent. See, it says filter by most recent. And I see all those years there. They've got them all up. Well, you're going to go way down to the bottom to 1993. And then you're going to find March 8th, 1993. Okay, so just scroll down, scroll down, and you're going to see uh, with this episode, you've got uh, the model, and he's wearing a captain's hat, and then you see Rob Bartlett there. Okay, so that's March 8th, 1993. And uh, double-click on that, uh, and that episode's going to come up. Okay, so you're going to have... Uh, you're going to see the Hulkster, the Mega Maniacs, along with uh, Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, and Jimmy Hart. If uh, you haven't gotten it queued up, I'm going to give you a little pause here quickly and make sure you're all set to go. All right? So, pause. Okay. So, I know you're all queued up. You're ready to do this. So, what do you say we get to it? Uh, this is uh, Monday Night Raw from March 8th, 1993. Three, two, one, play. And you start right out there. That's a nice background, though. It's like that uh, rusted steel. Good colors. And the Hulkster man looking good, isn't he? And you have to, you know, I really appreciate this this promo. This is this is classic Hulkster. He was so good. Man, looking good, and you got Brutus. But there's a lot of questions, like what? What is the Hulkster? Is he back for good? Is he? Is, what, what's happening? And there's a lot of politics going on. As Jimmy Hart chimes in, you know, he's uh, the one he felt so bad for Brutus. Didn't thought that the brutality that they exhibited the Money Inc. because he was with them before, and now he's uh, with the Mega Maniacs as they team up as he's helping out Brutus here, getting him some work. As they're back on top. So this is, uh, and Brutus is taking a page from the Hulkster, as of course he would have learned from the best, that, you know, you kind of tie it to what you know, these promos. So they're talking about Harleys, which they both rode. And they're talking to seeing Hulkster, they're talking about, you know, drive from Venice all the way down to Malibu, wide glides. Yeah, he's going to do a little singing here. Oh, getting to know all about, you know, something from The Sound of Music. Now, wouldn't you expect that from Hulk Hogan, of course? <laughs> oh, man. He's got, but, you know, he's throwing it all in. Got the puns. He's got, yeah. All right, here we go. Well, here it is. Here's the SNL. Well, Brutus kind of, kind of forgot what they're supposed to do there, but, you know. We got through it. And now we get into the open. Yeah, we love this. Nice cuts. 
music, different colors, see uh, images. Razor. All right, as we get to the Manhattan Center. And there you go. Cue the crowd. The sirens going. As we are welcomed by our announce team, Vince McMahon, Macho Man Randy Savage, Rob Bartlett uh, with, uh, what's it got, kind of like the priest thing going there? I'm not quite sure what that, tuxedo kind of a thing. But they, uh, this was not live. Remember, uh, they were taping some of these, and this was actually taped, uh, I believe, the, the, a week before, before it aired. I think it aired uh, March March 1st. As they kind of run down the card here. Yeah, it was actually taped a week before. And Bartlett, I don't know if he had a little trouble with his gum there, but uh, gets out to the match with Mr. Perfect facing Rick Martell. Here we go. Dig it. Mm-hmm. All right, and there's Virgil in the barbershop tights, along with uh, El Matador, Tito Santana, and uh, really, uh, I think everybody in their career had a gimmick they gave them where that they just had to kind of swallow it. Uh, I mean, they they made it was a big push. They even sent him to Matador School. You remember that? I don't know. Virgil looking with a, I, I'm not quite sure with those tights, man. That's uh, like I said, looks like he looks like a, those tights look like they're ripped off a barber pole or something. As we got Money Inc. coming out, Ted DiBiase along with IRS, Erwin R. Scheister. I always love this uh, where the ring was. I mean, look how close the audience is. That's, that's really cool. I always love that, that uh, maybe it was just the illusion Maybe they weren't any closer than usual, but those seats there, there was maybe steeper, you know, and, and so it made it seem like the people were just closer. Yeah. You need new, some new material and just everybody paying their fair share. As we get to this matchup, and, you know, you, you've got two legit superstars here, Virgil. And Tito Santana taking on Ted DiBiase and IRS. And there's that uh, infamous Halliburton case. Very popular back then. That's the one that smashed into Brutus's face. It started the whole, as uh, Vince uh, recounts, what uh, really started all the heat between the now two tag teams as uh, Brutus teams up with the Hulkster. As we get ready, they lock up. Tito, uh, an old veteran, man. So um, I'm sure that these two, if they were just going to do a match, it'd be a hell of a good one. But, uh, you know, and, and Vince did all he could to help Rob. He really did. As uh, Mr. Hebner gets in between the two. 
Ah, reference to bullfighting, right? With the take in the take of the ear. And Ted DiBiase, big uh, knee to the midsection, follows up with a chop and a forearm right to the side of the head. Tito reverses, hard into the turnbuckle, and wow. There's a elbow right off the chops of DiBiase. That uh, headlock holding on tight. And Virgil itching to get in there. I think I've said it before that Virgil surprised me that he, uh, although, you know, every time I've said it, then he has these awful, awful matches. But he actually could work. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I know that before he became Ted DiBiase's valet there for the period, and it was a great stretch for him. But, uh, you know, he spent some time in the ring and uh, got a shot here. Got a, got a bit of a push. It wasn't certainly like they were pushing him to the top, but he did get an opportunity, as they would reward people with. Is IRS in the ring now with Virgil? Locks in that uh, side headlock as Shyster tries to break free. Is that... Shoulder tackle. Arm toss. Close line. Yeah, not a whole lot behind those. Uh, DiBiase now slips in, but uh, it's... DiBiase's not the legal man in. There was no tag there in Santana. Getting a few shots in at ringside. Yeah, DiBiase is... Uh, Hebner tells him, nope, you can't... Uh, Two elbows there. Here's a cover. Is this it? I don't think so. Shyster kicks out. And in the background, Ico Pro, folks. They really wanted you to buy those supplements. And, you know, this is uh, this match is going to go for a bit. They're going to get uh, about eight minutes in this thing. And because they, they actually... Had some superstars going up against each other in this. And Santana, for sure, an accomplished veteran. As he's getting most of this match. DiBiase doesn't like what's going on here. They come in with a double team. No real tag there. Hebner's trying to go, was there a tag? What's going on? Do I see a tag? You legal man in? I didn't see it. Boy, they, look at that, folks. That's what you call an arm bar. You don't see those very often where they would just hold on for, you know, you'd go a few minutes sometimes for that. Uh, IRS trying to get free of Virgil here as he's holding on to that uh, wrist pretty tight. Tag made. In comes Tito. Brings down that elbow hard on the shoulder. A couple of forearms. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was brutal. Surprised it wasn't hyperextended there. As they chant Irwin, that's supposed to get under their their skin. Big shot as DiBiase uh, gets a little too close and Santana didn't like it. Another tag made, no, not really, but 
And again, Hebner's like, well, wait a minute, did I miss that again? Where was that? And again, no tag. And we got to go to commercials. So uh, they've got a crowd there, so they'll keep working. But remember, this was taped, so they were able to do some editing. And here we go. Oh, they get to do a little double team now on their own. DiBiase. Trying to get the upper hand here on Tito Santana. Too far away for a tag, so he's going to have to stay in there. And the Macho Man chiming in. Randy was talented at a lot of things, but uh, maybe it just was he didn't have enough experience, but uh, never really fit into that commentary role. I mean, he could come in and hold his own, but that wasn't uh, one of the best one of the best things that he could do. So there's Tag and Virgil. He's had a lot of time to be refreshed here. Blocks a punch, and now is a flurry of rights. Driving IRS into the corner, hard into the turnbuckle, so hard it, it, it he crumples to the canvas. <laughs> now, what are you going to do, Virgil? Make up your mind. <laughs> That's his weak, weak clotheslines. He doesn't, like, get that arm up. It just kind of comes up. But they're selling it for him. Body slam there, and oh, trips him up. Uh, that's something that uh, Hebner didn't see, and Virgil turns his back, dumped on the back of his head. Here's a cover, and that is going to do it. See, Virgil got distracted, got to stay focused. As Howard Fickle, Money Inc., Money Incorporated. Jeez, it's like lassoed Ted there as he went out. Tito's looking at him like, what are you doing? You weren't paying attention. You let him wrap you up. How often does Michaels miss with a kick there? Tatanka, man, getting a, a big old push here. Taking Shawn Michaels out in the center of the ring. One, two, three. The Nasty Boys come in. as uh, Remember that they had that feud going? The Beverly Brothers. See you later. What was that? Tatanka. No, that's stuff you didn't see very often, right? And this is when they had the ring girls back then, remember? And then... (laughs) Here comes Rick Martell. 
what is he wearing? What is the? Oh, he's got a robe on. Okay, I got it with the captain's hat. Bartlett making a few Gilligan's Island jokes, and he takes the card from the from one of the models because remember he's Rick the model Martell, who somehow uh, I guess he thinks he can do it better. So he's like, uh, I got this. I wonder who they'd rather look at. Well, I don't know. Martell did have great physique, right? As he, uh, nobody can model better. Do you hear him say that right there? Up next, Tatanka in action as we uh, take another break here. And we get a promo. Look at those pants, man. What is it? Like the seven pleated pants, Todd? What the? Look at. <laughs> this, I think it's a members only jacket. <laughs> WF, WF Mania. Yeah. Todd. Todd Pettengill. Uh, if you haven't caught our episode, we, he's a, he was a great guy. We had a, a fantastic conversation and uh, got some really, I, a lot of things I didn't know about uh, his career and uh, that whole period of time that he was with the WWF. Like people think that he came in after I left uh, to fill my position. And that wasn't the case at all. Todd was there doing a lot of stuff for the WWF when I was there. And he had a whole different role to fill. He a very funny guy, really, really, really creative and uh, could do a lot of impressions. And this is, uh, you know, he, uh, Tatanka was part of that whole um, period of time, you know, where people like Bartlett and, uh, uh, you know, Todd was a radio guy in New York City, did a morning show there, you know, one of those zoos, morning zoo kind of thing. They didn't call it the zoo, but it was, you know, like one of those shows. And uh, got caught on with the WWF and was there for a number of years, and one really interesting note about that whole relationship is that um, Todd Pettengill basically got Michael Cole in uh, with the WWE. And uh, God, how long has T- um, Michael been there now? I mean, how many decades? So he could take some credit for that, for uh, bringing Michael Cole to the to the WWE and, uh, you know, Michael was just like a radio guy then and got an opportunity and Lord, you know, to say it mildly, he certainly <laughs> turned it into quite a career. Uh, uh, you hear on the radio, remember they did this, uh, I just shouldn't say radio, on the phone, they did these phoners that we do during the show. And you can hear, you hear Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So Tatanka's suffering from the fever. So they're building this matchup uh, as they had a couple of these uh, matches prior. And we saw, you know, those matches where he got pinned in the center of the ring, one, two, three, by Tatanka. So uh, Sean helping to push this match. They're going to meet in Las Vegas at WrestleMania. Intercontinental champion at the time. And uh, this was, a, you know, this was a, a interesting way to, to promote your talent, having them call in like it was, a you know, a live show. And over the weeks, you know, we had heard from, you know, Bobby Heenan called in and they had a bunch of different uh, superstars call in. That was Tatanka. 
getting fired up as uh, he's uh, got this match against Phil Apollo. Takes him right at the top of the head, takes him off his feet. He doesn't know where he is. Another one, another chop to the forehead. And I think I have a feeling this one's going to go real quick because uh, Sean's off the phone and, boy, like a chop. And uh, that was, uh, they call it something different. That was a Samoan drop uh, for the uh, win. As uh, we continue, they're uh, building up this matchup. So this is perfect timing as we talk about this match heading into uh, with the Tonka facing Shawn Michaels, the Intercontinental Champion. As we go ringside again with the announce team. Got the black and white theme going here. And that was uh, Randy Savage's version of a tuxedo. And I guess that was also Rob Bartlett's. So. And we've got uh, the big plug coming up uh, from the one who knows how to do it the best. And that is Mean Gene Okerlund giving us our WrestleMania report. Well, look at all this great animation, right? WrestleMania 9 report. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And this thing, you know, we would do these these promos, man. They would last, boy. This thing would be probably, what do they go for? Almost five minutes long. Where they go through each and every match. And Gene would uh, knock these off, man, and just uh, get all the way through them. And, and, and if you've ever done anything like that, you know it is, that's a tough read. That's a long read. You, and you want to get every word right because you're taping it so you, if you screw up. And they could do some editing, but, uh, you know, Gene rarely ever skipped a word. Me, on the other hand, well, I was probably a lot better then. But uh, it was uh, it was tough. It was tough to do that. Okay, so this was, remember this, the big WWF championship match. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart uh, facing Yokozuna. 500 pounds, wow. He was uh, tipping the scales then. But this whole playout, man, where they did that, where they had uh, Yokozuna beat Brett, and then in the same, you know, few matches later, uh, when when uh, you know this whole thing had gone on, and then you got Hulk to show up and get the belt from Yokozuna, it's just like what? <laughs> Still, never quite understood the psychology of how that was. Everybody was supposed to buy that. But Brett, you know, he was a company man. He did what he needed to do. He did what they asked him and until uh, the final, the, the end, when he said, no, that's, uh, it's not going down that way. And, uh, of course, we have the infamous screw job. But uh, this was all part of this. This is all brewing. This is all part of what, what would happen. Because he, if you ever read his book, man, he was not happy with how this played out because he thought it made him look really weak. The... Uh, I got that commander jacket with the pink bangles. 
It looks like Mr. Fuji, I mean, either he just got in that shaved or, you know, it looked like one of those uh, uh, skull caps you'd put on when you wanted to make look make somebody look like they were bald. <laughs> no, but he was shaving his head then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yokozuna was not exactly the best at cutting a promo. You might have gathered that. <laughs> Banzai! It'll be transformed, yes. They're going to take you back to Roman times. Yes, the, the procession. Cleopatra. <laughs> Everybody had had the, the togas going. Yeah, but I missed that. I never got the opportunity to wear that toga. God, just think about how long ago this was. And uh, 93, The Undertaker. Wow. Yeah. And 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 uh this was this match, remember? This is the basically the, the Battle of the Giants in sense because I mean uh you know, Undertaker, Mark is, is a tall individual. I mean, what is he about six eight? And then you got uh, Giant Gonzalez is up there. I think he was a legit seven, uh, if not more. And uh you know, that's pretty much all he had going for him. But uh, that was a that was a a good build up for that. Uh oh, Gene's not happy about that. Him messing with the models. Uh. <laughs> what? Is that Vince's attempt at humor? And the model comes out, giving the ring girls another uh, hard time. As he steps back into the ring and uh, again is going to interrupt the model. The model's, oh, you know, that's uh, that's not nice. He's like, no, I'm not giving, well, schmuck, you know. He's like, no, no, I'll handle it from here. This is kind of lame, right? As uh, he continues with the Gilligan's theme. As the model uh, continues to irritate the crowd. But look who's coming. Papa Shango. And Papa Shango was getting a pretty good uh, push here at this point. You know, uh, they they really liked him. I think that uh, his his uh, gimmick was uh, getting over pretty well with the whole smoking skull and the, the, the bones around the neck. And the cape was a little strange. It's like a hefty bag with the rags tied to it. I don't know. But they had that whole voodoo gimmick going on as Mike Edwards uh, steps into the ring here to just get pummeled. And, you know, I don't, what are you expecting? <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a jobber on a mission to just get uh, beaten to a pulp, which will happen in this encounter. But this was one of those uh, matches, you know, let's the, put, put him over. It gives us a chance to plug a few other things. So, 
Papa Shango getting a, a push here. Pretty good size one. As he just goes right after Mike Edwards. It's going to be over quick, folks. He's not going to get a whole lot of, I don't even, no offense will be involved in this whatsoever. But they uh, kind of surprised you. They, didn't, they weren't really pushing anything at this in this uh, show. And this, uh, you know, this is about the time they were doing the whole gimmick with uh, the Ultimate Warrior and uh, Papa Shango cursing him and the, oh boy, shot to the jaw. And to all, you remember the, the him vomiting the yellow bile backstage and then uh, another thing with the interview with Gene where he's got the black goo coming out of his hair. So, but uh, really no mention of it in here. And Shango, you know, had gotten this initial pretty big push, but he was not even on the WrestleMania card. So that's kind of surprising that that just kind of wrapped up so quickly. And I don't know if it was because of issues they were having with Warrior or what, but uh, Shango kind of suffered for it. as he uh, stays after Edwards here and just keeps pounding away. And slams him down that uh, side suplex there and, and wraps it up. Is he gonna, this going to be it? Nope, nope, he's not done yet. But we're close. Put him out of his misery here. That's one of those guys are asking, okay, and I really want to be in professional wrestling? And uh, stepping across here. Wrapping them up. And now he's going to uh, end it at this point as, uh, what do they just gave? Oh, boy. Shoulder breaker as Mike Edwards just crumples to the canvas and that's going to do it. And Vince put it pretty much mildly, a very easy victory for Papa Shango. As Howard could only say it best, Papa Shango. Picks up his gear. Uh Sorry, I got to hear this. Paid for by the following. Alfred. Nobody else can do that. They've tried to uh, imitate it, use it elsewhere. And we got our Ico Pro plug and then the action figures. Bulldog, Sergeant Slaughter, Kurt Hennig. The Macho Man. And in comes Bob Backlund. Tries with that that all American, all American, all American. <laughs> it's like and and Backlund's not that old at this point. It's just that it's just like his time was gone. And Tony DeMauro oh, got a good physique. But uh never got to do too much with that. At least not in the WWF, WWE. Yeah, they said Backlund 43, which, you know, 
see a lot of guys at that age. But then, I mean, he was a freak. I mean, 43 years old and still wrestling uh, a full schedule. And look at him. I mean, he's, uh, he's as great a shape as anybody. Uh, tomorrow wants to uh, start this out fair and square. Bob Backlund offered him his hand. He's not taking it. This guy's a little full of himself, so maybe it's going to give him another chance. Tomorrow's like, no, uh, we don't need to do this. What is this? So uh, probably Backlund's going to take a little offense to that because he was an old school guy and the fact that he didn't want to shake hands, well, so now he's going to have to pay for it. Chest to chest. Backlund trying to step across there, get a little leverage, and just hip toss there. Sends tomorrow over onto his head. As the uh, lesson continues, and it's going to get worse for tomorrow. This is going to be a demoralizing experience. Still got that uh, Opie cut going with the haircut there. Stepping across again. Measuring his opponent here. Another hip toss. Tomorrow not able to mount any offense here. Gets the legs swept right out from under him. And tomorrow scoots outside of the ring. A lot of people didn't, you know, it's like even though they don't really know what to make a backlit. I mean, he's got get some support but some support, but it's kinda weak, you know? So they've sent Bartlett back for whatever reason to get an interview with Rick Martell. I don't know. Find out why he's bothering the models. Like, what the hell? So now you've got just uh, Randy and Vince on the mics as the scoop Bartlett has gone to find the model. This is really a lame match. Oh, my God. Using the leverage there, but uh, tomorrow holds on. We get a little amateur wrestling here. Oh, God, this is awful. It matters on who you're working with. I mean, I'm sure uh, Backlund had had thousands of better matches, but you got to work with what you got here. As tomorrow uh, with a nice physique, but uh, no skill otherwise. Uh, I thought it was uh, interesting that um, uh, that I heard that like Rick Martell, I mean not Rick Martell, Rick Flair would go in a locker room if he'd see somebody he'd say, "Hey, lock up with me," for just out of the blue, he'd walk by a guy, and um, he would say that uh, he would lock up with a guy, and just by doing that, he could tell what kind of a, a, a worker this guy was. Oh, boy. Takes him over. Not why, that, uh, not reason why he turned him over, but this is interesting. Locks him up. As Bob Backlund gets the win over Tony DeMuro, not much to this. Not a whole lot going on with this. 
see, there you go. You've got uh, Vince making a plug here that he's going to have Bob Backlund at WrestleMania, which was supposedly his, his dream to be there. But uh, it was kind of interesting that they didn't mention that till it's all over. Got plug for Headlock on Hunger. And then we get this interview with Rob Bartlett and Rick Martell. And he basically says, you know, uh, what's your deal? What's going on? Why are you bothering these poor uh, models that are just trying to get paid and do a job and you're going out there and trying to show them up? And Martell's point is that nobody's got any class like him, so they shouldn't be out there. As he, uh, you know, of course, downgrades, uh, goes on about how badly Rob Bartlett is dressed, but pretty much just, uh, you know, berating uh, the, the people, just trying to drum up some heat here. Fortunately, we've got a match coming up, though, that's going to, we, we can at least count on to know that it's it should be a good one because it involves not only the model Rick Martell, but another great hand, as they say, uh, Kurt Hennig, who's uh, back in action here. So that match uh, coming up, and uh, it's going to be a good one, I think. I mean, anytime you get those two in the ring. All righty, and uh, I'm uh, I'm a little excited for this one. I hope you are as well. Uh, of course, having uh, Mr. Perfect in the ring with uh, the model Rick Martell. It's a good one, right? So uh, here it is. As Vince brings us into the action here as the model. And that rather interesting outfit he's wearing with the robe and the captain's hat and the pipe. As, uh, <laughs> oh man, some of these comments are a little on the, uh, what do we say, uh, risque side that uh, Randy would throw him in there whenever he got the chance. Randy Savage. The model just brushes off the crowd. And there it is, Mr. Perfect. And uh, maybe you had not seen him for a while before this took place, but he's uh, looking good, you know, good shape. He had done some matches uh, that I had heard that he came back a little earlier. He kind of got forced into action. They needed him, and... uh, he had to carry some matches on his own and, and you know, had a lot of ring rust. But uh, people, a lot of people couldn't really even tell, though. But he, he had talked about it later, how tough that period was. But uh, here he's pretty much uh, full force. He's back at it. And after the, uh, the, the, the back issues that he dealt with for so long, as uh, both Martel and, and uh, Mr. Perfect lock up the bottle, Facing the perfect one here. And uh, as I said, this should be a decent match because these guys really didn't know how to work. And uh, this was kind of the uh, star-studded match for this encounter. I mean, for this, this program. Big shoulder there and then kick to the chops. Perfect. Quick comes around with a body slam again. Takes another one to the chops. I'm just seeing this kind of uh, back, back and forth between these two. And it's like, whoa, okay. Step back, regroup. Uncut. 
That was uh, whenever Vince said that, he was waiting for you to to come up with the other lines. You had to remember your line. Uncensored, uncooked. Heber uh, busy this night. So Dave. And I started like the way I could tell them apart because they really did look like each other is that uh, Dave had a little more of a belly on him than uh, than Earl did. But maybe I have him confused, but uh, I think that's Dave. All right, uh, elbow right there, forearm rather, to the side of Mr. Perfect he- his head uh, as Kurt kind of putting up with the, the model's antics here. Like, all right. Get it out, but you're going to pay for it. And, whoop, not, not, thought he was going to go for the uh, the lock up there, but perfect, real quick. Sends him into the ropes. Pulls a little action of his own, a little cartwheel. Showing up Martel. Uh, we've just been all over the Raw girls this night. As we'd seen uh, the model coming out and taking the cards from them and saying that they just weren't up to the task. He was. And I I, I would have loved to have uh, talked with Kurt after this. You know, I left in 93, so... Um, but uh, that was a tough period for him, you know, going through all those those injuries and uh, wondering if he'd ever be able to get back into the ring. And there was uh, Lloyds of London uh, situation there of, uh, you know, he was insured and whether or not he was going to collect the money. Oh, man, big elbow. That was, that was perfect. Yeah, that was a perfect execution on that. Double axe handle, Martel coming up with the boots. But he didn't know if he was ever really going to be able to wrestle at that level again. But you can see right here, man, he's holding up well. There's no no issues. And he wouldn't have uh, gotten back in there uh, either if he couldn't have performed at his peak, you know, at uh, top performance level. It's such a tragedy, man. Every time I see him, it just uh, makes me sad to think about I think his birthday, uh, when I recorded this, was uh, yesterday. And uh, just to hear that, I think he would have been 60, 61, uh, somewhere around my age. And, uh, yeah. So. It locks it in there. A little reverse. By the model. Oh, as uh, Perfect sends him over the top rope. So. And we're going to be right in the middle of this match now. uh, (laughs) As they take another break. This continues. As he pounds away on that back of Mr. Perfect. They don't really make any mention of it, of his injuries. I mean, you would have thought they would have said, oh, going on that in that area that Mr. Perfect had worked on. 
Goes down hard on it. Pounds away again. Oh, man, big slap. Pounding away as it continues. And now looking for the submission here. He's not going to get it. Uh, and <laughs> so funny that you, they could do these moves back then. Today, nobody would stand for it. You know what I mean? You're like, try, try this on NXT. Or AEW, or, you know, nah, it ain't going to happen. Uh, how many seconds are ticking away here? It's like, boring, boring. But back then, man, these guys knew how to build the tension. and Oh, perfect. Gets a shot in the midsection, flips him completely over. He was always so good at that. I, you know, I would think that the guys that work with Kurt just loved it. Because you, you talk about him, you know, him selling for you. My God. Did anybody do it better? You come off that uh, turnbuckle, bounce three times. Ah, perfect with the knees up and model pace for that one. They go back and forth. Perfect. Yeah, not not a great match here. This is, uh, you know, another one of them wanna, uh, putting in a whole lot here. Perfect shot to the midsection there. Misses with a big right. Atomic drop. Oh, another one. This one, he turns it around. And Hennig's now had enough. Mr. Perfect. Big chop. Big drop there. Oh, we got to go. We got to get another match in. (laughs) Oh, man. That was kind of ugly. Match is over. We don't even see the end of it. All right. But we'll show you the finish. Are we? Okay, getting that replay. The perfect plex. Uh, that's, I uh, wonder how that worked out that way. Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was the really odd finish. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Oh, boy. Here's a snap. Ready? Here's a snap. Hold on. Wait for it. There you are. And uh, Alfred's going to help jam in as much as we can in this show. Thank you, Your Lordship. Oh, and now, Mr. Perfect, we didn't have time to see the end of the match, but we had, we, but we do have time for him to bring the models out to the ring. <laughs> oh, my God. Ay, ay, ay. 
interesting production uh, decision here. This uh, Kurt shows what a what a ladies' man he is. Yeah. You know, it's almost, it's almost like they're killing time here, and yet they, they killed that match. They didn't even show you the finish. <laughs> oh, God. Right, as, as they plug everything else they can here uh, for the next week uh, edition of Monday Night Raw, Kamala, Razor Ramon. And this is all, remember, uh, heading into uh, WrestleMania, which is uh, less than a month away. So uh, we get more of these... Uh, uh, Low shots, they love these. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, not the greatest episode of Monday Night Raw. I think you'd all agree with me. That was not... Uh, but as I said at the top of this, this was the beginning the beginning stages as uh, the evolution, we should say, of Monday Night Raw. And we know what it would become. And it would become a powerhouse and go head-to-head with uh, the likes of WCW, Monday Nitro, and uh, the Monday Night Wars were all ahead. But this is when everything was uh, just coming together. And uh, that announced team of Vince and Randy Savage and, of course, Rob Bartlett that uh, was short-lived uh, when it uh, when they really started uh, kicking this thing into high gear. Things would change very quickly. But uh, there's something that uh, I, I really love looking back at this because, as I've said before, when they first uh, you know, envisioned this show. They wanted it to be uh, more in a more, you know, a smaller theater, jam it with people, uh, you know, raise that excitement level, that uh, level of electricity with the, the air of, of, of it being live. You had the announcers right there on the floor. So, you know, they tried, they were doing new things for the WWF and, and searching you know, to you know, once again, raise the level of, of popularity but it was really, really a tumultuous time, as I mentioned. I love using that word today because I think that describes that period of time uh, very well. And, uh, you know, we this is all part of it uh, as it happens, looking back at the history of all this. So uh, with that, I hope, I hope you enjoyed this one, uh, this uh, episode of Monday Night Raw that took place on March 8th, 1993. Uh, aired actually it taped uh, a week before that at the Manhattan Center in New York City in Manhattan and uh, I want to uh, shout out to blogofdoom.com that's where we got the the notes on this this show and of course I had my own two cents as we go along here but I really appreciate uh, uh, the notes that they have because there's a lot of good insight that they have uh, that I certainly don't remember and it's great to look back at these uh, I hope that wherever you may be as you're listening to this, you're uh, safe and you're healthy and everybody that is close to you is the same, uh, your your family and your friends. Uh, please continue to uh, care about one another. Uh, you know, let's all, uh, we're all in this together and you don't have to go to the grocery store and take everything off the shelf. Uh, there's going to be a lot of supplies out there, so uh, you don't really need uh, 18 uh, packages of toilet paper if you, you can't even find them these days but uh, I really I hope very soon that we're on the uh, the end of this and it uh, we learn a lot of valuable lessons uh, I just uh, had a, a, a prime time with Sean Mooney uh, podcast that we just did and we talked a lot about it uh, with with my guest uh, Aaron Stevens and uh, you're going to be seeing that real soon 
as uh, we, uh, we we put him up uh, on the the, uh, the the rotation here. But uh, we had a really great conversa- conversation about you know what what's really important to us. Uh, you know, it's not about our jobs when it all comes down to it. Uh, I'm sorry to say, but we're all replaceable. Doesn't matter who the hell you are, but you're not replaceable to your family. You're not replaceable to your friends. And uh, they're the ones, I mean, stay in contact with them. See how they're doing. If you've got uh, older folks around you, uh, whether it be grandparents or your parents or just a neighbor, uh, be sure you're checking in on them. If you can get stuff to them, maybe maybe go shopping for them, get them some food or whatever they might need, you know, reach out. This is a great time uh, for us all to connect, and I hope we do. We learn some, from some things. If we didn't have it happen, that would have been awesome, but uh, here we are. So in the meantime, folks, uh, please stay safe, uh, stay well, and uh, be sure and tune in uh, this Wednesday uh, for another episode of Primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, This is going to be a fun one. And uh, Dutch Mantel joins us, and uh, he's got a lot of stories to tell. He's got an incredible career, but uh, check it out, all right? So uh, once again, you know, Mondays we've got the Network Classics. Wednesdays we've got original episodes of Primetime with Sean Mooney. And then uh, we have a Vault episode we released on Saturdays. So much content out there. If in the meantime we can help keep you entertained, I, uh, I hope you will take advantage and uh, we can uh, help out a little bit. So be safe. And thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. Till next time.